0: Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design.
1: Basically, everything is a reflection of self. If you are unstable within yourself, then all of the situations that you are running away from eternally, especially on an emotional level, are going to manifest and repeat themselves.
0: Dory One, this is Fire King Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host Ben Cloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, a husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life, so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, Episode 88. Guys, today's episode with Robert Green is going to rock your world. I loved every second of it because it is, just like the title says, a better way to heal, to live, to just be more present with yourself. I've already taken a lot of information from this episode since I've recorded it and already started implementing it. So let me tell you a little bit about Robert. Robert is a U.S. Navy veteran hospital corpsman who was diagnosed with PTSD in January of 2017 after a long battle with his internal demeanor demons, he decided to immerse himself in ancient practices as a means to master his mind. His first trip to India was in 2016, where he began to study yoga for meditation. In 2017, Robert decided to deepen his practice in yoga and traveled to China and immerse himself in traditional Kung Fu. During that time, he became proficient in Shaolin Kung Fu. Robert also chose to balance his energies through the practice of yoga and meditation. Since then, he has been inter. Incorporating aspects of yoga into his martial arts practices, where he has also ventured to Tibet to Tibet to study Buddhist meditation practices as well. Robert likes to push and motivate others to get outside their comfort zone and develop a greater sense of self-confidence. Guys, that is just a taste of the information that Robert shares in this episode. It's going to be awesome stuff, stuff that I most likely you've probably never heard in words in languages that I had never heard. And his ability to pronounce those words was much better than mine. And I am thankful for having this conversation with Robert. So without further ado, let's get started with Robert Green. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad to have you here. took us a little bit of time management to get here, but we did it third time is the charm. So that means we have to make this extra special because we fought the universe to make this happen. So I'm super excited because as we were just chatting before hitting record, I actually think I came up with your podcast episode title and that I think we're going to call it a better way because what you kind of talk about and way you live your life, even the terms that you were talking about of how you make money were terms that i never even thought about were ways to go on vacation is a better way to kind of heal your mind and just be a happier person. But Let me tell you, the things we're going to talk about in today's episode are not the things that you get heard or hear about on commercials or are pitched to you in any of the commercialization that is the American economy. But to me, what I've heard in my own story and what I've heard in Robert's story is that there is a better way and it begins with almost starting with yourself. So Rob, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell a little bit about your military background because you did serve and you did had to go through your own struggle to get to this better way where you are now.
1: Yeah, I was in the Navy. I was a hospital corpsman stationed with the 26 MEU out of Camp Lejeune. We were on board the USS Nashville from 2005 until 2008. And part of that was I was uh, doing support missions for Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom. We were part of Joint Task Force Liberia in 2003 during the Civil War there. And we did a humanitarian aid mission in Eastern Europe. After that, I was transferred to shore duty. I was in Naval Hospital in the coast Japan, working as a logistics technician in the hospital. Then in 2008, I decided that I had enough for the military and I wanted to kind of just pursue a somewhat of a normal life. So that's when I decided to stay in Japan and I went to college there. I got a degree in Japanese language and culture studies. At the time, I was going to get married to my Japanese fiance, but that didn't work out. When I was 26 years old and still figuring out who I was, so I ended up moving to the Philippines and I worked in the corporate world for a few years in the Philippines. And now I currently live on an island, and my girlfriend and I have won wellness retreats, which is basically teaching people how to manage their stress through holistic ways, taking people on adventure, travel and adventure tourism. Uh, I work with men too, so because I'm a martial arts instructor as well. I'm certified in Kali Eskrima, and I've been practicing Chinese martial arts since the age of 12, so that's more than 20 years. So I like to work with men and help them get back outdoors and get connected to nature especially you know, if you've been in the military and you spend a lot of time out in the fields, you know that there's something about being outside. There's something about being with your buddies and something about living simply that kind of takes the stress away from life in a lot of ways that you kind of miss once you get back into the quote-unquote real world or constantly stuck in.
0: You know, or the world of comfort as they sell it to you. That you, you have a dishwasher, life's supposed to be easy.
1: Yeah, which it is in a lot of ways, but there's a psychological aspect of it where you, I don't know, for me, I didn't feel like a man anymore. I couldn't be out with the Marines in the fields. I couldn't be out doing, you know, doing man things. You know, making fire with my hands, you know, hunting, fishing, these kind of things. And I think for a lot of men, when we get disconnected from our true primal nature, then it does create a source of maybe internalized stress because we don't really get to spend time on our own, and our own element. Our intention is always going outward, right? I always have to think about, I need to please my boss. I need to look after my kids need to worry about my wife, I need to worry about this and this and this, but we don't take time to really go inside and do things for ourselves as much as we should, especially if we have PTSD and trauma.
0: And what you're speaking to, I've seen in my own life, and I just went on a six-day camping trip overlanding experience through northern Wisconsin, and I've talked about it a couple times in the podcast, but I'm not a camper, I'm not an outdoorsy guy, but I absolutely fell in love with the process of like just being reminded of how abundant life was around me. Like you were going on a back road and there's trees everywhere. There's green stuff everywhere. And I'm just like, when you're in your suck of like your mind's telling you that life's horrible, it's very difficult. You don't know how you're going to get by. It's a scarcity of the entire universe almost is evaporated. But when you're in nature, you're just reminded that this life and life is happening all around you, whether you feel like crap or not. I know when I say the same thing when I travel internationally, it's always amazing when you see everybody living their lives. It's like all of these lives are happening automatically, whether I'm here to observe it and because I'm having a bad day in Wisconsin, it doesn't pause any part of the world. And I think some of it, the transition that, like where I struggled when you get go from the military to the civilian world, is you go from this physical world where you're using your brain, but the military requires you to keep your physical part disciplined. And then you go into this world where you're really only exercising the mental muscle. Very few things, unless you go actively push yourself to do them, they don't require you to swing an ax. They don't require you to start a fire. They don't require you to do anything that really gets outside of your head and into your heart as a man. And I think that's what you're speaking to, that you need to get connected to that natural ability to to use the energy that you use for millennia to survive and in your head, like your head kept you safe. It didn't keep you alive. And to me, keeping you alive is when you're out there, you're hunting, you're gathering, you're using your skills to actually expand your, your knowledge. And even what I'm something you're sure is familiar with, even just connecting with that natural vibration of nature. Like I, I've, I remember when I first heard it, it was interesting because I never thought about it before, but like there's no squares in nature, but yet as mankind, we surround ourselves in squares 98% of the day. And it's that natural architecture of nature that really just kind of gives that us letting that energy escape and we no longer feel trapped.
1: I think a lot of it is too, you know, you mentioned something that we're living in our minds, right? A lot of our stress is really created in our minds. And when I was in India studying yoga, my teacher told me two very important things, said that stress and suffering is usually related to the past or the future. Because you think about depression, right? Depression is primarily based on a past event. Something happened that I haven't fully emotionally processed and I'm kind of stuck in the thoughts and the energy of that thing that's looping in my head and in my emotions, so I sink into this hole. Therefore, I fall into a state of depression. We think about the feeling of anxiety. Anxiety is because I'm worried about something that's going to happen in the future, but that thing hasn't happened yet. But I'm making all of this stress within myself because of forming these calculations. Because you know in military, guys, we like to do this. We're going to calculate everything out to the ninth degree and all of this impending doom is going to happen and we have to prepare for the end of the world in this kind of extremist mentality we have but if we look at the truth of it when we fully bring ourselves into the present and we realize that if we don't put our minds in the future and we don't put our minds in the past and we bring ourselves to the present fully emotionally mentally spiritually then we're able to see things from a different perspective because a lot of the times our head is always somewhere else especially with You know, nowadays with technology, you know, everyone's on their phone thinking about something. Or you're in someone else's
0: head. Like, what are they thinking about me? Do they really talk about me when I'm not looking? Like those types of answers, the questions that have no answer.
1: Why did this person respond to this email like this? What did they really mean? Ooh, look at this post. This person posted this. I wonder what they're going through. So a lot of the times, I mean, we fill our head with mental noise and junk. And it's very hard for us to just be fully present in the now without putting all of these unnecessary stimulations in mind. And I think for for the process of healing, learning to be present in ourselves and in our present moment in our own energy, and being okay with that is a first step to, to getting over a lot of these things that our mind creates for us.
0: So let's rewind back a little bit because you didn't get to this point where you are now overnight. Where did? And I'm sure you're probably even a skeptic being the natural military mind. Like this isn't stuff that most military people are, especially back in the 2005, like this stuff wasn't even talked about. Meditation wasn't even in my language repertoire yet. So how did you kind of like overcome that initial probably like ego that I don't need it and then get yourself to the point where I can feel it and start hearing what these people are trying to teach me about this better way?
1: Okay. So yeah, I got out of the military in 2008. And I didn't really know or wanted to admit that something was wrong with me, right? Or you're missing military. something, probably. Yeah, we, we have Iron Man Complex, where there's no problem. You suck it up. You don't talk about it. You be a man. You know, going to, going to medical and talking to the shrink, that's, that means there's something wrong. And I don't want to admit there's something wrong. So I kept this, this, this show going in my head for eight years. It took eight years for me to actually kind of finally realize that I had a problem. But there's a lot of events that happened. That kind of pointed my attention in that direction. So from what, in 2008, I developed a severe drinking problem. Uh, I'll take it to an extreme, especially with being the with Marines. You know, you guys like to really, we're in it to win it. We're going to go for it. So I started to drink almost every single day.
0: Um, in your Japan uh, where sake
1: runs fluid if you're in yeah, the wrong crowd. All the time. All the time. It's easy. I mean, every night of the week, there's something going on in Tokyo or in Osaka. because the Japanese love to drink anyway. And then that kind of developed into this kind of complex, right? I took this military idea of staying professional. Because in the military, if you're falling apart inside, but as long as your external professional career and circumstances are okay, then that's all that matters. So like if I have insomnia, for example, and I can't sleep at an hour a night, I constantly have a relationship problems, but I can do my job and I'm performing well in my career, then that's all that matters. And that's kind of this mentality that I went in. And then I started my corporate career. Then since I wasn't in the military anymore, I went down the direction of doing a lot of drugs. Because I didn't have a urinalysis anymore.
0: And yeah, like, oh, it, you no longer have checks and balances. It was zero.
1: <laughs> I was like, why not? Life's a party. You want to enjoy. So that's when I got into doing a lot of hard drugs. And a lot of, I was still an alcoholic. And I was experimenting a lot of things I shouldn't have. And that's when I think my career started to take a little bit of a tumble because, you know, I'd start showing up late for work or I wouldn't do things on time that I was supposed to do, or I'd kind of mess things up and make stupid mistakes I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally make. And then I think the kicker for me was in 2013. I lost my father to suicide. My father had a lot of mental health issues. So in 2013, in Christmas time, he took his own life. And I had to go back on New Year's Eve, 2013, going into 14 to go sort of out the mess. And that really broke me in a lot of ways because me and my father were very, very close. And he actually saved me. because When I was in the Navy and I got back from my first deployment, I was actually suicidal. There was a lot of things I didn't know how to deal with, a lot of things I experienced on deployment. And I was just in a miserable place in life. And I remember I was, in, I was on board the ship. I was on watch. And I had a nine millimeter and I just wanted to end my life. I couldn't, I just couldn't, I don't know. I I didn't feel like living anymore. I wouldn't say I couldn't handle it. Like if this is life then I I don't want to do this anymore, this is not for me. And so I was down in a dark space of the ship. I pulled out the nine millimeter. I had it to the side of my head, finger in the trigger. I flipped the safety off. I took a deep breath and then my phone rang because I had a little sprint flip phone in my other pocket and I picked up and it was my dad. So I'm standing there, and I'm talking to him. I have a gun on this side of my head, and I'm talking to the phone. He's like, hey, son, something told me to call you. Are you okay? And that's when I kind of snapped out of it, and I'm like, shit, I can't do this. to My father would break him. So when he actually ended up taking his own life, it was something that really broke me inside, and that's when all of these – I couldn't maintain the facade anymore, and I really started to fall apart. And that was still a two-year process of falling apart piece by piece. My addictions got a lot worse. I went from being a weekend kind of partying kind of guy to an everyday kind of thing. Uh, my career took a really big nosedive. I got passed up for promotion. I screwed up a $750,000 contract. My relationship at the time really took a nosedive too. I was a very toxic partner. I um, had insomnia issues, extreme mood swings. I was always drunk or stoned, or always on some kind of... I could never just be sober. I, I couldn't do it. And I was very emotionally unstable. And I think in 2000, yeah. 2015 and around May, I went out with a bunch of friends and I did a bunch of drugs. And my girlfriend was telling me, "You need to find a healthier way to deal with your emotions and really face yourself." And we got—I got back home, and I was still under the influence. Um, and I remember we got in a big argument. She's saying she wanted to leave me, and I just snapped. And I took my hunting knife and I put it the side of my neck. I was like, "You want me to deal with my emotions? Check this out." And I started to cut the back of my neck, and she slammed me against the wall. And there's blood gushing everywhere. And she's broke down crying. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You need help. You are not well. And after the day after that, and I saw how distraught she was, and I kind of just like, said, like, okay, maybe I am kind of fucked up and I need to go see someone. And that that was kind of the whole process of me breaking down the Iron Man complex because I think with a lot of military, especially with the Marines, you know, you guys are, you guys are made out of panther piss and iron nails. So yeah. you guys this complex of never showing any weakness never needing to show any kind of vulnerability
0: if they wanted you to have an emotion they would have issued it to you
1: exactly you're supposed to be numb and a stone cold you know go in there do what you got to do kind of guy so i think you know just because you go to taps and you get out of the military and they sit there and teach you okay this is what you're going to put on your resume these are the government contract companies that are going to hire you this is how you adjust to civilian life. It never really prepares you to deprogram that mentality on an emotional level. And I think this is the, the number one, I guess, center in everyone's put emotionally, per se, that until we're able to reprogram that and step out of that conditioned narrative, then we'll never find healthy ways to deal with our emotions and to process the things that we feel and find a better way to live our lives. because. Because if we hang on to this Iron Man narrative and we repress everything on the backside of that, those emotions have to surface somewhere. So usually manifest in the form of these extremes we teeter-totter into, right? Like extremes in substance abuse, extreme aggression. We have these these mood swings, the clients that I've worked with, the other military guys that I've worked with, have been telling me that they get triggered by something. Something small, right? It can be maybe you're driving in traffic and someone cuts you off. And that can lead to an outpouring of rage that... Maybe you won't sleep for two days and you're just pissed off at the world and you hate life. And this it triggers this powder keg of emotions inside because that's how our minds are programmed. So, yeah, for me, it was this entire process of breaking that down and having life just hammer the shit out of me until I had such a crazy situation that was so hurtful and so painful. And I was broken to the point I had to seek help because if not, I probably wouldn't be right now because I would have done something crazy and probably in another attempt actually taking my own life. So this is when I went down to the VA, and the VA told me, okay, here's the paperwork you need to fill out, come back in two weeks for an eval, went back to the eval. By the end of the eval, the evaluator was in tears saying, okay, you have a very severe case of PTSD, you need help. I'm like, yeah, obviously, I tried to kill myself a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm fucked up, I need, I need help, what do I do? They said, okay, well, you need to go register for your primary care doctor appointment, and the wait for that is two months then the primary care doctor will refer you to the mental health specialist and the mental health specialist will probably see you in five months, maybe seven. And that's the point is like, all right, you know, we wonder why there's 22 veteran suicide day on average. We have a system like this where someone comes to you after they've tried to take their own life. And They're at them. the edge.
0: They're not like a mile away from it. They're standing right on it. They're on the edge. Like yeah. I'm looking
1: down at the cliff. <laughs> I got one foot out there. I
0: can, I can picking up my rock that I'm jumping onto. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like that's the one, the pointy one right there. I'm taking a the swan dive on that one. And you know, they tell us you have to wait five months or wait however many months, then what do we do about that situation? You know, this is where I think a lot of the system has failed us in a lot of ways in the past. Granted, I think nowadays it's gotten better with the, the Veterans Choice Program, these kind of programs where we can see outside providers, because the things the new administration is doing has, has helped a lot. But the time that I was seeking help, the end of 2015, early 16, I was told that wait five months, maybe you can pay for the services yourself and we can reimburse you after I just got fired from my job. So I was jobless at the time. So that's when I was like, all right, I need to do something because if I stay in my current course, I'm probably going to end up killing myself. Like this has already been the third attempt that's going to be successful and uh, these substance abuse kind of patterns are really destroying everything. Like, I got fired from my job. My girlfriend left me. Um, I, my friendships are all just based on mutual substance abuse patterns. I didn't have any healthy friendships. All my friends wanted to drink. They wanted to get high and they just basically wanted to do really really stupid shit together so it wasn't a healthy crowd to be hanging out with and i figured that all right if, if i keep on this course i'm not going to be going anywhere so i need to do something new and that's when i started to get on the internet and i was researching you know, treatment for ptsd and since i was a hospital corpsman i know how to read medical journals and i came across a study the va did in collaboration with the university of indiana in 2014 did a controlled study with 120 veterans where they put them through a regimen of, of uh, yoga classes. And I think the study lasted anywhere from like six to eight months. And at the end of the study, they reported reduced anxiety, better quality of sleep, better relationships, um, better quality of life in general. So I got kind of interested in this idea. And, you know, being a typical guy, when you think of yoga, it's just girls in tight pants. And I want to stay in the back and I want to look at them stick all their butts in the air. And I don't really care about the dog. And from that perspective, like I didn't really think of yoga as a way to heal yourself mentally or internally. So that was something that had been on my mind. And I started to get really, really curious about the practice, you know, and when was it? The beginning of 2016 is when I decided to make a huge life change. That's when I was like, all right, I know there's something wrong with me. I know I need to make a drastic change. Nothing in my life is going the way that I thought everything I had going before has now come to a complete stop. And I need to do something different. So I decided to move off the grid. I moved out into the middle of the jungles in the Philippines and I set up my own sustainable community to try to live in harmony with nature. Cause I remember like some of the happiest times I ever spent in my life was with my dad camping as a kid and when I was in the field, not, not in the field on deployment, but in the field doing exercises with my, with my, with my buddies. So I wanted to live simply again because even during my corporate career, like, The last year into it, I just felt so damaged inside. My mind was constantly wanting to be away and back into nature. I always wanted to be outside. Any chance I could get on the weekends, I was always outside and just just get out of the city, get out of my house, get out of these four this little box I'm stuck in. In, in My office. Get out out of these emails that
0: don't stop coming.
1: Yeah, about stuff I don't give a shit about. Like I don't care about trying to make some other guy money. Like it's not really my mission in life is to make you rich. What I'm saying. So. Yeah, I decided to go build a sustainable community in the jungles of the Philippines, near where I live now, and that was a really fun time. Me and a group of about what ten friends, we got out there. We put all the resources together. We built some bamboo huts. We built a small-scale farm. Were we you like those time. guys
0: that are digging those mud? I don't know what actually country they're in, but you know the YouTube videos where it's like yeah, two guys no. digging the like massive no, no. like Taj Mahal <laughs> stuff out of mud and water and, no. and, <laughs> and clay. <laughs> So I want to move into maybe unpacking something there with your dad dying. And so I talked to a lot of military dads and there's a common theme where someone in their family took their own life. Like, I think that's something that happens more prevalent, especially as masculine energy is more demonized through the last 40 years. I think it's happening more than people are talking about. And the one common thread that I've, I've heard a lot, I've heard it from kids and I've heard it from wives who husbands have taken their own life is there's a question why didn't he love me enough to stay? And what wasn't I worthy enough for him to stay? And and when it happens younger, like I've had kids like 13 and 15 when it happens. So like that becomes almost like life stops type question. So you were a little bit older, but I can imagine there was still probably like a process of moving through that like forgiveness stage with your dad. How did your journey kind of allow you to, to heal from something that happens to a lot of people and they in almost many cases don't heal from it they just use their ego to hide whatever truth or feeling or emotion they're trying to not reveal
1: i think for me it was like it was a process of going through this whole breakdown of the ego because the programming i was in at the time was based on the ego right where i had to because i was working too i had a i had a corporate job then i was running my own little side business so working two jobs and then trying to be an entrepreneur, an employee in a company, you kind of in this kind of like state where you don't really want to think about your emotions because you're too busy and I don't have time for that. So a lot of it was for me, it was breaking down that whole thing and having to really be honest with myself. And what I realized is going on the mentality and the narrative that I'm too busy to deal with my emotions. I don't want to think about this right now. I don't have time. It just led to those emotions manifesting in other ways which I was just repressing through substance abuse, which I think is quite common for a lot of men to do because we're not given the tools for emotional intelligence to, healthy, to have healthy ways of coping with our feelings. If you think about it, as a red-blooded American male, when you're a boy, little girls cry. Quit crying. You're a boy. Be a man. They tell you these kind of things. So... It automatically sets our mind in this set that if we have emotions or a way that we feel, we internalize it and we we stay strong. And we usually have this baseline state of anger first. That's our first go-to when it comes to an emotion that's painful. We'll have a feeling of anger that pops up as a defense mechanism. Then below the anger, that's where the pain is. And when it comes to the pain, a lot of us will develop kind of a crutch mentality. I did on on my partners because our a woman, for example, is a good way or is a good provider of nurturing emotional energy. So a woman will allow a relationship or connection with a woman will allow us to be vulnerable, to express ourselves, to have this kind of way to release the emotion. But if we're just left to our own devices, just on our own without any kind of crutch or someone to hold our hand or walk us through the process of of feeling our emotions and being vulnerable, then we don't really have the tools to do that. So I think that as men, you know, Especially in my journey, it was learning to navigate my own emotions was my key to healing myself to say, okay, you know, I don't have, have anyone in my life right now because I pushed them away. I pushed the person that cared for me the most away. And I don't have a good relationship with them anyway, so I can't really turn to them. So I don't really have anyone to rely on but myself. And I know that from the way that my life was going at the time through addictions, insomnia, through toxic relationships through career problems, that I wasn't going in a direction where anything was gonna be done. So I was kind of forced to deal with myself, myself, in the way that I knew how. And I think that for people that have lost a family member or for people who are facing these kind of emotional these emotional events that are like that have a lot of gravity, you have to really be able to I know that I have a problem and I need to find a better way to deal with it because I don't know how to deal with it in a healthy way. And as soon as we can admit that to ourselves and we open the door for a different set of circumstances and a different set of events to happen in our lives, that'll bring us to an authentic place of healing.
0: There's something that a lot of military dads speak to that I know and like, what you don't realize when you have those traumatic events is at the core of a lot of self development and your better way is the ability to love yourself. Like it's that true embracing the love that you can feel and the energy that goes inward. But when someone kind of like takes it from you or didn't give it to you growing up, you don't realize how those early stories will affect your future relationships, your marriage. And I think when I went on my own journey, that what I probably realized, the, one of the biggest things was of how many threads from something that I was feeling today you followed the thread all the way back was something that happened 20 years ago, that it's really these early stories of how our life was proven to be unfolding. And we don't realize that there was, my dad died when he was 13. And because he took his love away from me without my ability to give him permission, I'm never going to reveal my love for someone freely ever again, because the last time I did, I was hurt. And so every relationship has this subconscious truth that I'm not going to fully reveal myself because the last time I was devastated and I'm not going to go through that again. And I can imagine in your process of healing, even get to the point where you have a, a stable, healthy relationship with your girlfriend. There was a point where you had to get to be able to let that love go and be able to let it go from yourself and not hold it in and have all this shame connected with you showing up as the Rob that needed to show up in those moments.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I grew up in a very dysfunctional kind of situation in my household. So as a child, I was emotionally abused. I was told that I wasn't wanted. My my mother died when I was three years old. So my dad remarried my stepmom and my stepmom and I had a really rocky relationship. And I could tell that I wasn't a wanted aspect in the family. She actually told me like, you know, we don't want you here. You don't deserve a family. You should just go to a boarding school and get them out of here. Many, many times. So I've always felt this need that. This this kind of feeling that I'm
0: unwanted, I'm not worthy of love, and or even worthy kind of, to live, which you then attempted twice to make that prophecy come true.
1: So a lot of it was learning to just basically step out of the mind. The mind can be our worst enemy because it likes to hold on to narratives and repeat them in patterns. Because our mind doesn't always act in our own interest; it acts in its own interest of staying comfortable in a pattern. This is why, you know, if you look at, for example, toxic relationships, like this is quite common. Say, for example, a woman had a really bad relationship with her dad and she likes to date guys who are bad boys who are essentially just kind of losers in the run, right? But she's, you have a nice guy who has like a career and he's polite. And he's a, he's an upstanding guy. He approaches her and she's not attracted to him. Why? Because it's outside of her normal. So a lot of that's just an example, not to be biased or sexist or anything, but. What the mind will do is it attaches to patterns and it reiterates why you should stay comfortable in a pattern. It doesn't like to get out of its comfort zone. So for me, it was kind of stepping out of the mind in a way and stepping
0: into just the emotion. And in your life rest, today is like an out-of-body experience compared to where you used to. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like a complete different part of the spectrum. It's, it's totally, it's, I went totally off the deep end
1: and back into another kind of metamorphosized different version of Of living in energy that I've embraced now but I think that for people who are looking to solve this problem of losing a family member and the thing that worked for me the the short you know meat and potatoes answer this is you need to step out of your mind your patterns and your narratives and completely step in your heart and face the things that you don't want to face on a feeling emotional level your mind can't control your emotions you can't say oh I don't want to feel this way with an emotion it's do or don't with With the mind, it should or shouldn't. So if you step out of that and you say, okay, this is how I authentically feel. And I'm not going to run away from this. I'm not going to get high or get drunk or turn on my Xbox or watch MMA or go out to the bar or go stuff my face with pizza or do anything to run away from this. I'm going to sit with this feeling and I'm going to learn descriptive language to talk about it so I can start to process it. Then I'm going to digest it and allow a release. So release these emotions. For me, there was a lot of anger. I was angry at my father. He's like, you know, how could you do this to everyone? How could you bring and this horrible woman family?
0: that you call, that you tell us to call mom into our life to replace yeah, the mom that I want?
1: How could you, you know, just take a coward's way out and kill yourself on Christmas Eve in 2013 when, you know, you know, everybody, especially me, like I really love you and I wanted to go back and see you again, but you decided to just run away like a coward. So it was a lot of anger then beyond that because You know, look at it like a fire, right? The log is the fuel, then the flames are what's burning on top. So anger is a flame, but the log of fuel that it burns upon is our pain. And so once you get the anger out, for me, it was like, you know, practicing martial arts and going and beating the shit out of a punching bag and and finding a way to channel that aggressive anger energy was good to get that out. Then once I got past that, then you tap into the pain. And being able to be present in the pain is very, very difficult if you've never done that before. You know, as a man, especially as a boy, you know, boys don't cry. So when you when you break down and you cry as a man, it's it's a daunting experience. It's like, fuck, what 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 what's going on? What do I do? And it becomes this avalanche and like an overwhelming kind of thing. Especially if you've been in the military and you have you know this powder keg of this atomic bomb of a trip, repressed emotions within you, it can be quite intense. But once you start to get that out and you clear yourself of it, then it opens the uh, it opens the door for authentic healing. And I think that's that was a key for me to actually with the healing process.
0: There was, I want to dive into something that we haven't talked about yet, but I want, it's something that's kind of just gotten opened up to me. I knew about it, but I don't think I really truly knew about it. And even the word to even describe it, I didn't know about until a couple months ago, it's called breath work. So I knew about meditation. I knew the overall idea that the breath is one of the only autonomous functions that you can start and stop all the rest of them to keep you alive happen, whether you want to or not. And I went through those motions of doing them, but I've recently just did some like 20 minute, like breath work kind of like a Wim Hof, but then just kind of doing a lot of like fast breathing, deep breathing, holding your breath. When you know what you know now, what do veterans need to know about breath work that can help them truly like let go some of that just corked up energy. Cause that's what I feel like after I do one of those you have that euphoria that almost like you feel like you. I've never done drugs, but I can only relate it to maybe you can compare it for me. But I, there's just this weird fingly. Your, your, your fingers are tingling, your tongue feels weird, and you're like, what just happened? So go ahead and unpack what you know about breath work because it's something I'm interested in. And I don't think a lot of veterans even know the word to Google, but you should Google it because it's a whole world of YouTube videos. So tell me about it. Sure.
1: Okay, let's start with the word spirit, right? The word spirit comes from the Latin word aspire or esprit. Esprit means breath. So that's the word of spirit basically means breath or the energy that breathes life. So when it comes to breath work, especially in the yogic practice, because, you know, Wim Hof is a popular guy right now. But everything that he does is taken from the yogic practices. In yoga, there's eight limbs. okay, Eight limbs of yoga, because yoga is a spiritual discipline that's supposed to lead you to something called samadhi or what they say in English enlightenment, a place where you have a complete union with divinity. The first limb of yoga revolves around your, your conduct and how not to create bad karma. The second is how to conduct yourself personally to stay in an internal vibration that's in line with the divine energy. The third limb is called asana, right? Asana means the posture. So that's all the stretching where you do all these movements to relieve tension in the body and to bring the body, to bring the mind into the body. So if you want your mind to shut up with its chatter, do you try to sit still and meditate? Your mind's going to go. Go check on the air conditioner. What's on Netflix that I feed the dog yet? When you want the mind to be quiet, you bring it into the body. After, after asana, the next limb of yoga is called pramayana. So prana in Hindi means energy or life force energy. Then yama is control. So all these breathwork exercises are pranayama. They come from the yogic practice. So when you do these breathing exercises, what you're doing is you're stimulating internal energy centers to clear stuck blockages internally with your, your energetic channels. In the body, they have something called nadis. Nadi means like a channel of energy. To relate this to science, so it doesn't sound like some woo kind of stuff, it's pathways that electro or bioelectrical energy travel within the nervous system. Because science has proven that the electro the body, the human body is electromagnetically charged. Each cell has about 0.003 volts. So the human body can generate electricity. This is why we get tingles in our spine this is why when a song comes on, you get goosebumps. This is why when you feel an emotion, you might feel like you're you're gonna explode inside. Our body conducts electricity. So when you do breath work, you're basically charging your body up with bioelectrical energy. And in doing certain patterns of breathing, this is what moves these stuck energies around. You know, the word emotion, you say emotion, right? Emotion means energy in motion. So it's an electromagnetic frequency or pattern of energy that resonates within the body that's related to certain brain waves. So it relates in our brain and our hearts. Our brain is usually the process of the event, right? If I'm sad because of this thing that happened, then the energy that we feel in our hearts, the emotion, is the heart's kind of, how do I say this? The heart's kind of processing events because we think in two brains, right? We have our emotional mind and our conscious mind. So anyway, what breath work really does is it stimulates your nervous system to start to move stuck energies within the body to help you express different kind of energies and to free you from blocks, from blockages within your nervous system. Cause you think about the word disease, right? We say disease with a Z sound, but it means dis-ease. So dis is not ease. When you're not at a state of ease, when you're in a state of energetic stress, then it manifests as a physical condition. Going to China, going to Tibet, going to India they believe that every physical condition you have is related to an emotion. So for example, people that have cancer and liver problems related to a lot of repressed anger. People that have lung problems is related to a lot of repressed grief. So their whole take on it in their medical system is that every physical condition has an emotional root. So when you do these breathwork exercises, which I'm really glad it's getting popularized and people are knowing more about it, what you're doing is you're going through a facilitated conscious process of emotional stimulation and emotional release within the nervous system through stimulating bioelectrical energy.
0: I definitely uncorked a whole ball of excitement because your energy changed on the interview when you were talking about that. So I can definitely tell that this is your happy place when you get to help people with the breath work. What I find so like, exciting but then also just like it's a big misunderstanding that most people don't understand is that it's not something that's woo-woo it's like you don't even really have to believe in any of the stuff that goes with yoga Buddhism any of that to understand that like to believe that the breath is something that every person has because you're alive and you just go through the exercise and you will physically feel it whether you believe any of the other things that go around it and I remember from my very first times when I started meditating, like the first one that hit me for me is when your tongue starts tingling, like it's it's the weirdest thing. Like you're like, why my my tongue has never tingled from breathing, and yet it feels weird. And then you start doing it more, and then it it's a whole world that just starts opening up, and it's it just starts with the breath. When you went through the process, what did you kind of get awoken when you started your breath work? What was the energy that you felt like you were able to unlock when you? Started to do it from your own experience?
1: For me, it was in India. This was in 2017 when I was in Rishikesh in the Uttarakhand province. And I decided to go on a spiritual journey to learn yoga at the roots. I didn't really want to go be a yoga teacher in a studio and kind of do this whole gymnastics kind of dress up thing where it's popularized in the West. So I decided to study under a sadhu. A sadhu is like an Indian monk or renunciate, they call it sannyasin. And my teacher put me through the process of learning yoga as a spiritual discipline. So doing the breath work of the pranayama for me, it happened in 2017 when I was on the banks of the Ganges River, where they were teaching me these breathing exercises. Because so they have something called kriya, right? In you heard the word karma. Karma is a very popular word. Karma, what goes around, comes around. Well, karma basically in the Hindi philosophy means external action that has consequences. So if I do something outside, those things will come back to me. There's a word called kriya. Kriya means internal action. So if I do something internally, the energy will come back around internally. So kriyas are sets of breathing exercises and energy that will stimulate your internal nadis or your, your internal prana. So I remember I was sitting at the banks of the Ganges River. It was in October of 2017 where the water was freezing cold. And I started to do this breath, this pattern of breath. They call it bastika pramayana. So bastika pramayana means breath of fire. So it's like you're pumping, you know, those things a blacksmith used in the old days to pump the fire where you're kind of pumping it in the fire. That's the whole stimulation, using your diaphragm to stimulate your internal fire or the word for internal fire means any in Hindi. So stimulating anyi or the internal fire, my body started to get super hot. Like I started to sweat. And I remember I was like, does this really work? Am I am I just chirping out? Like what's this experience? You know, because you get the tingling sensations at the end of your hands. My head started to tingle. I started to feel like I wanted to gag and I kind of felt like I wanted to vomit something out, but nothing came out. So I would cough and gag, but nothing came out. But then I started to cry. and All these repressed emotions started to come out. And my teacher saying, your, your feelings are repressed. Keep going. Keep doing it. Are you sure, man? Like, I'm starting to, this is not normal. Might, there's
0: no 911 here.
1: No, <laughs> 911. <laughs> out in the jungles in India. So I kept going with it. And I went through this process of like a purging. So I started coughing, started gagging, I started crying, had all these different memories kind of come up. Wow, like it's, it's kind of difficult while this is happening, but to maintain the focus on the exercise and the breathing, it purges all these emotions out. And I remember after about 20 minutes of doing this, I got to this place where I felt this extreme sense of bliss and I felt really, really hot. So he told me to go sit inside the water. And mind you, if you've ever been to Northern India where the Ganges River is, it's freezing cold. That water is coming from the glacier mountains. So I sat in the water and initially I was cold at first and I kept going and I was neck deep in the water and I started to warm my body up and I was totally fine. I was able to maintain sitting in the water for about an hour while doing these exercises. So it does have an effect to create the internal fire, the ani, that actually warms your body. And this is the practice that Wim Hof does, stimulating the internal fire to warm the body's energy but it is based on the yogic practice of pramayana and also the tibetan practice they call called tumo where you internalize your 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 masculine energy to create fire inside so the tibetan monks can walk around the mountains and you just robes some of your temperatures
0: your ability to practice to pronounce these foreign words that i've never heard is outstanding i commend you for your ability to just kind of evolve into the ability, how are you able to just know the words or do you actually have some fluency to some of these languages?
1: I speak fluent Japanese. I speak Tagalog. I speak a bit of Spanish. Then, you know, when you go out into these remote locations, you don't want to seem like the typical American white guy. You kind of got to look at it like you're, Hey buddy, (laughs) walking around with a baseball jersey. Like you don't want to be that guy. So you kind of have to look at it like you're an agent on an operation kind of deal. So you blend in with the locals, you learn a bit of the language, you dress like them, you learn their customs. That way you don't stick out as a target to like, hey, let's rip this guy off. And as out of respect, as I was learning their ways and their spiritual practice. It's kind of out of a show of courtesy to learn their, their language and their terms in the proper way. Because if you don't do that, they don't look at you like you're actually trying to learn from them. They look at you more like an outsider. So when you actually try to walk their walk and talk their talk, they respect you as one of... Someone like... So They took me in kind of... Like
0: like you're literally trying to walk in their footsteps versus trying to almost observe and take back. Like it's like you're not there to to fully be. You're just there there to write a report or maybe to write an article that counts and makes something that says they're not true. I want to dive into a question that you hit on, and I'm interested to see how your definition relates to mine, just my understanding so far. When you need to explain masculinity to someone, what do you use in dialogue and conversation to explain it into someone that doesn't really even understand whether they're being masculine, whether they're being toxic masculine, or any of the buzzwords that go around in today?
1: Okay. Well, in the yogic philosophy, they have the inda and pingla, or ha and Pa, which means the sun and moon. In Chinese, they have yin and yang. So there's two energies that make up this entire world that have to find a balance with one another. The masculine is a forward energy. It's It's proactive, it can be aggressive, it's the protector. It's basically the energy that is assertive. So an assertive energy can be a masculine energy. The feminine energy is a receptive energy. It's calm, it's, it's accepting, it's receptive. It's basically, we run in two opposites of being either proactive or receptive. You boil it down to the simplest terms. Now, if you study martial arts, for example, they have techniques of yin and yang. If you're totally masculine and you're totally aggressive, you miss out on the soft techniques where you can move the opponent's energy and use it against them. If you look at this in relationships as well, it applies with men and women, it applies with same-sex relationships. There's usually two different energies and they're too dynamic for harmony. If like, for example, way back when I was in the Navy, I was dating uh, another Navy corpsman who was also very masculine and I was very masculine. So we were both butt heads because we had the same role. Like we were both trying to be the man in a relationship and, you know, it's like, no, I'm the man. I want to be the man. Well, I'm the woman, but I want to be the man too. And we butt heads in that kind of uh, way. So there has to be a synchronicity between two roles. To explain the masculine energy, it's basically the role of being more assertive, more aggressive, and being more the pillar of stability. The feminine energy is being more receptive, more accepting, and more the energy of allowing feeling and emotion to manifest and to process in a nurturing kind of way. With a lot of relationships you see, there's usually a masculine and a feminine party, regardless of the physical sex. Even when my nephew, he's married to a man, and he's more the masculine one than his husband is more the feminine one. And I've seen this a lot of cases and relationship dynamics and just basic human interaction in general. So these two energies work together to complement each other to form a complete whole. So without one, then there's not going to be a complete union or function. Like in a relationship, if you have two feminine parties, then the masculine aspect of what that brings to the table will be missing, right? And if you have two masculine parties, they're basically going to bump heads for control a lot of times, and they're not going to be very receptive to feeling and being very nurturing. So Yeah, I think it's basically in a nutshell. It's kind of like the sun and the moon. The moon balances the gravitational fields of earth. The sun provides all of the nutrients, the light, and the the energy and makes makes everything go around.
0: What in the context, because in the places that I find a lot of the men struggling with their marriages, it's the the wife who has almost a hurricane-type feeling inside, and the men aren't assertive enough or even confident enough to stand, to be – within that hurricane force and to kind of create that calm. Cause I've heard Tony Robbins talking about a, ty- a couple of times that like the masculine force, the male can, if, if they are assertive and grounding and loving in their own self, they can be the calm to the, to the feminine. Do you see that same thing within the Odic tradition where the man can be that calming force to the untamed, maybe untethered feminine emotions?
1: Well, that's a bit of a complicated question, but let's look at the dynamic of a relationship, especially with if you're a man and you're not emotionally mature and you're out of touch with yourself, you're definitely going to be out of touch with someone else. So before, I'm pretty sure maybe you can relate to this or people you know can relate to this, that if you're if you're going through something within yourself and you're denying your own emotions and you're emotionally numb within yourself, you don't want to deal with anyone else's problems. So when the wife comes to you with a problem where she wants to complain about something, the normal reaction is just shut off and avoid. Like, I don't want to deal with the shit. I'm going to go you know, turn on my Xbox, play a game. I need to get away from the situation because when someone projects an emotion on you through the human capacity of empathy, that means you're going to have to feel something too. And a lot of the times, especially the veterans, we don't want to deal with that. That's locked away in a deep, dark closet in our hearts and stay right there. And I don't want to ever deal with that shit. And the more that you start to project your emotions and stuff on me, the more it's going to make me have to look at my own. And I don't want to do that. So I'm going to stay away from that as far as I possibly can. So, you know, when Tony Robbins was talking about this idea of calming, it's basically stability, you know, to being the calm in the storm, you need to be calm in your own emotions and in your own self. And if you're able to be present in your own emotions and live in that kind of energy, then you're not going to create storms for your partner. Because you look at like, what are a woman's emotional needs? A woman needs to be understood. A woman needs to be comforted. She needs to feel safe. She needs to feel that she's going to be provided for so she can be the nurturer, right? On the emotional level too, like, like men tend to drain their emotions from their woman. You know, they call women gold diggers. Men are emotional gold diggers because we rely heavily on our woman for all our emotional needs. So if we're not balanced in our own energy and we're constantly taking from our partner, right? If we're constantly out of touch with ourselves and out of touch with how they feel, if we're not really catering to their needs or acknowledging their feelings, then obviously that's going to brew frustration. And as a result of the frustration that we may be indirectly creating, we're the ones running to run away from it because we don't want to face ourselves. So I guess the short answer is, if you're able to be stable within your own emotions, you can be the calm in your own storm. I recognize my feelings. I can express them in a healthy way. I can acknowledge my emotions. I can healthily, I can process them in a healthy way and I can be an emotionally stable man in my own self, then that is going to reflect in your relationship because you're no longer afraid of the idea of empathy. You're no longer afraid of the idea of being there for someone completely present. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure you can relate to this. When, when the woman comes to you with a problem, right? Oh, I feel this way about this and this and this. What does a man do? A man says, okay, here's a solution. Our whole go-to is, all right, you have a problem. Here's how we're going to solve it. A lot of the times, a woman wants empathy. I want you to feel what I feel to acknowledge this feeling so I can comfort myself. Because they're not going to listen to your solution anyway most of the time, right? So when we're able to fully be empathetic and present with our partner, then we can be the pillar of stability because we're stable in our own emotions. And I think this is a skill a lot of men lack, especially veterans. We're systematically programmed not to feel our emotions. So reconnecting with that part of ourselves will allow us to be in healthier relationships because everything is a result of self, right? If you are healthy and happy on the inside of yourself as you, then you're going to reflect that in your relationship. If you're toxic within yourself, your relationship will also be toxic.
0: There I've seen that very within my marriage, but then in my youngest daughter, who's four, and they're right at four, they're like really all over the emotions, whole little spectrum. Like you can go from perfectly happy to the world's going to burn down within 30 seconds. And because I've, now that I've got the language from where you described it, that kind of like that calmness of my own emotions, what she's feeling, what she's screaming, whatever she's saying, even I'll be very non-reactive. And a lot of times I'll just hug her and hold her, not say a single word. And I think that's what you're talking about. It can be that the yin and the yang that, She needs someone not to react to what she's bringing me. She just needs to get through what she's bringing me.
1: Right? Stability. She needs a rock to stand on in the ocean.
0: Yeah. And I'm hoping by that model there with my youngest, like that's something that she looks for in her husband as well as I model it through her life. Like she's going to look for like, that's a healthy way that someone should compliment my feeling versus like a judgment or getting frustrated or judging that I shouldn't feel a certain way.
1: Because if you think about it, you're, you're coming, coming back from a deployment and you were hit with an ID attack and you're noise sensitive and the kids start screaming and that triggers you. You can't be that guy. You're going to react to that. You're going to say, oh, no, I can't deal with this. Turn this off. Shut this up. Your plug, get me away from this kid. Where's your mom? Yeah. Go to your mom. I can't deal with this. I'm going to keep now. you at
0: arm's length. Yeah. Uh,
1: go away. Or you. I mean, in some cases, you, know, you might react to the kid and get really angry and tell them to shut up because they're triggering something within you.
0: Or I'm going to go so hide in really the garage where I have absolute control of my,
1: my domain. I don't wanna deal with a screaming kid, I don't wanna comfort you, I don't because you're triggering something in me. And now that you, for example, you're clear and you're stable within yourself, then that thing is that little storm is not gonna knock over the giant boulder of dad. But when dad isn't the giant boulder, when dad's a small little rock flagrant emotionally, even that storm just knocks him over, which happens to a lot of military veterans, I think, who are dealing with PTSD and these repressed emotions, is that when a wife or the daughter or a situation comes up in life where someone's emotions are projected onto you and you respond to them in an unstable state, then those situations will create consequences and circumstances that generally make life pretty bad.
0: Well Rob, I've loved this interview. We've gone into the exact areas that I wanted to because we did I believe do what we titled and this probably will be called a better way because I love the talk we talked about the breath work. I love we talked about the yoga. And because those are things that aren't talked about, but there is a path through there through healing. And in your case, you actually had to create your own path following other wisdom of elders that had come before you in generations and millennia, in many cases, when you're going to India and you're getting into those areas where most people don't even know those areas exist type situations. But what is one piece of advice you want to make sure a dad or a man gets or a veteran gets out of this episode in your message that they want to make sure it gets crystal clear to them what they need to hear?
1: Basically, everything is a reflection of self. If you are unstable within yourself, then all of the situations that you are running away from eternally, especially on an emotional level, are going to manifest and repeat themselves. Playing on our previous part of the conversation, you know, when you become the masculine energy, when you become stable, that pillar of stability, like the sun, the sun is always there. The only thing that blocks the sun is the clouds, right? So the clouds of our mind, the clouds of life, the clouds of situations, but if you become the sun, when you're stable within yourself, when you're able to face your own emotions, face your own feelings, when you're not running away from things and you can fully be at peace within yourself on an emotional and a mental and a physical level, then you can be that masculine energy that the wife needs, that the daughter, that the family needs because you're not you're not carrying all this baggage anymore. And I know it's easier said than done. And I think that's a lot of, it's maybe a terrifying thing for a lot of people to even think about. But the sooner that you learn to face yourself and develop something called emotional intelligence, which is a skill to learn how to recognize, how to process, how to release, and how to understand your own emotions, then you'll be able to change your patterns and situations that are manifesting in your life. 'Cause right now if you step on the if you stay on the path of repression, distraction, and trying to justify things while you stay away and keep everything at an arm's length, then these situations that are toxic will keep repeating themselves and eventually, you know, you have a high rate of suicide, we have a high rate of divorce within veterans in the military community because of men being emotionally unavailable and emotionally in touch with themselves. So Go ahead and fight those demons. You have to go into that deep dark cave and slay that dragon and get into those parts of yourself. You may not want to face. And the sooner that you do, the biggest treasure is waiting for you on the other side of that because you can transform your life and actually become a person that embodies and embraces this divine masculine, the, the energy, the protector, the guardian, the pillar of stability, rather than being the, you know, person that runs away from situations that trigger them. In a lot of cases, that happens. I do do weekly meditation sessions and I do do online counseling for people who need guidance in this area through holistic means. So if you're interested in that, you can get in touch. I guess I'll leave my website if you want to put that information out there. But there are ways to do this. There are ways to learn how to deal with your emotions through your own energy, through your own tools and your own body without having to rely on some pills or some antidepressants or sitting at a doctor's office or any of these kind of things that we've grown to think we need to depend on.
0: I like that. And I will make sure a a link to your website gets put in our show notes. So if any listeners want to go ahead and check that out, go down into the show notes and it'll be waiting there for you. And positive. We brought mini dads home and you triggered a memory there. It's kind of, uh, I think it's just a tagline in the Marines that are these colors don't run, but it's interesting the way you were describing it. Like when it comes to the motions, it's exactly the mental response that our brain was conditioned because it kept us safe from lions, tigers, and bears millennia ago. And, but that's exactly what you need to not do. You can't run from what you're feeling and you need to embrace that. And the ironic part of what most dads don't realize is the truth that they're looking for. The happiness is through the family, not pushing the family away. It's like you can keep yourself safe for 20 years. The only thing that's going to happen is you're going to miss out some of the best years of your life. Totally.
1: Yeah. And I think like dads, veterans, husbands in general, Men in general, not just military, military, I think it takes it to another extreme, but men in general in Western society, one of our biggest problems in life is we don't have the skill of emotional intelligence and we develop very unhealthy, toxic coping mechanisms for the ways we feel. And these coping mechanisms lead to behaviors and actions that further perpetuate these toxic situations so we can get down to the root of it, you we'll know, pull the weed out at the root so it doesn't grow back, then our lives can change for the better.
0: And if your life can change for the better, because I mean, it's 2020 and a lot of your story is only five years old. So you mean, you've made a transformational journey in just five years. And I would say that I've said, I wouldn't say I'm as far as you on your journey, but I've come light years away from where my, I'm 35. Now, when I turned 30, my biggest fear in life was dying alone and not having anybody saying any nice things about me or even caring that my life was there. And now I have a podcast. I have abundance of relationships. I have friends all over the country and the world. And I talk in different things. I'm an open book. Like that wasn't me just five years ago as well. So like the path is there, but you got to face forward to it. And even interesting enough, when I started my, before I had a podcast, I was a military blogger. I was avoiding a lot of military feelings. I was just, I, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't acknowledge it. If you figured it out, I wouldn't really care. But starting a blog actually was kind of like me forcing myself to face what I didn't want to face. And then work through it and slowly now I have a podcast and now I'm full on bore back towards military truths and things that I didn't unpack, but there is a better way. And it begins with recognizing something actually probably you would, you would like to wrap up saying by when, in like the beginning of the year, like I had this like epiphany, which is a stupid epiphany once I tell you what it is, but it was this kind of this idea that I never was willing to tell myself is I had everything that I ever needed Already inside, I just needed to believe it was there to go through. Like it wasn't a book, it wasn't a podcast, it wasn't one more this, it wasn't one more that it wasn't more any of that stuff. I just needed to believe that I had everything inside. And that's what you're talking about with the yoga tradition, is it's just navigating what you already have and the energy inside you by being alive and allowing that to kind of create the ship to get you through what you need to feel.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of the times, you know, in Western society, we're always conditioned to look outside, right? We always think that we have to have some external circumstances to feel a way inside. You know, I can't feel valid as a man unless I have X amount of zeros on my bank account and I drive this kind of car. I have this kind of house. I have this kind of wife on my side. I can't feel that way until I have these things. So we always have this tendency to look outside of ourselves for a feeling of satisfaction or validation according to our normal programming. But the more that we start to look inward, we start to look at our internal architecture of ourselves and the things that we try to avoid or stay away from, the more that we try to get in touch with ourselves and face our own internal truths and realize that we all have a connection to divinity within us. We have a spirit, we have a soul, we have an essence that's connected to a greater source than just this human body. The more that we start to get in touch with that, the more we start to get in touch with our hearts and our truths, the more that that energy can actually help us and assist us. The more that, that energy, that, that, that piece of divinity that's going to, can activate and actually bring us blessings in life because we've, we've brought down the shields of the ego. The ego loves to create these walls and these shields and these facades and these images. When we get to the truth of the soul and we start to embrace this kind of energy, then we're able to be in touch with something that is going to make our lives a hundred, even a million times better than if we just try to handle everything on our own. So, you know, the truth of what we really need to find in life is not going to be on the outside. It's not going to be through another person. It's not going to be through a thing. It's not going to be through a job or a certain... You mean the iPhone doesn't sell happiness? No, it doesn't. It's not an app.
0: (laughs) It's not the Apple Watch that they just released?
1: No, it's not. I'm sorry. Or maybe, I mean, if, if you buy 10 of them and you might be happy for like... You know two weeks because you're yeah. so distracted by you get to open up
0: one each day, day. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but then you know everything will run its course on the outside because situations normalize, right you look at a new relationship everything is great when you're in the honeymoon phase then it's like okay then now i'm in a relationship and this isn't so great then it just becomes normal or like a new car you're great your new car is so nice and you're polishing and waxing it every week for the first few months then it just becomes the car Or the house, the new house that you're in, you want to keep it spotless and clean when it's brand new. Then after the new house smell wears off, and it's just the house. So everything on the outside eventually will normalize and run its course to be just a thing. So to find an internal sense of joy that never really ceases is not going to be on the outside. It's only going to be on the inside. And the sooner that we realize that and find ways to tap into that, the better our lives are going to be. And the funny thing is, the better things are on the inside the outside will reflect that as well. And the better our external circumstances will become, and I think you can attest to this, that the more that we're in touch with ourselves, the more that we are living in a better energy than ourselves, the more that we're going to attract to us to make our external circumstances better.
0: It's the yin and the yang part. Like you become magnetic and it's the crutch of vulnerability that says you're not going to die if you become vulnerable. You're actually going to become magnetic and people are going to come closer because you revealing something actually is something that makes people come closer, not pushing away like your brain says. Well, Robert, I'm positive we brought mini dads home. Like I said, I really appreciate your time. I'm glad this conversation happened because I got a whole bunch of words. I got to Google right now because there's so many different things you talked about that I got to figure out and go deeper into because I feel educated as a student listening to this podcast as the interviewer. I can't wait for the, the people out there listening to get through. So thank you for your time. Appreciate your wisdom today. And I'm positive this friendship is just getting started.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here and let's keep in touch. I'll send you an email with some information on some different techniques you can do and things you can look into that'll
0: bring some benefit to your meditation practice. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode just as much as I did. I hope you got out just as many nuggets as I did because getting this episode ready for you was just as exciting as when I re-recorded it. I was so excited to get it out there because I knew the topics and so many of the things we talked about are things that we've never talked about and so many veterans don't even know. Just like for myself, I didn't even know the word meditation really existed or I probably knew it existed but I didn't really even have an ounce of information other than it was probably connected to Buddha and there was so much more information that I began to understand about meditation And our conversation with Robert went deeper than I've ever gone on this topic as well. So it was super exciting to bring you this topic. Some of my big takeaways is talking about the abundance of life. I really often forget how abundant life is truly around us. It's so often we just get so closed into the world and we feel like the world is closing in, but really life is abundant. We just have to get out there and feel it. The stress and suffering, like that's something that we're told that we should be able to get to a point where we're not, but so often... It's the stress and the suffering that actually gets us to where we want to go. Having a drug problem. There are so many people out there, veterans especially, because we use those drugs to cope with different things in our life to hide from what we don't want to deal with. So I love talking about the feeling of powder keg emotions. That was something that really, really resonated with me because I often feel it. I felt that way way back when I was serving the Marine Corps. I used to think that I was just this guy having all these emotions held in, and they were just going to explode one day. And there's gonna be emotions all over the wall. And I loved how we dove deep into that. Guys, if this was your first time checking out the podcast, I wanna thank you for checking it out. I know there are places where you could have invested your time, and I know you investing it here is something that I value. If you thought the podcast was worthy, please share it with a friend. This is how we get the message out. This is how we can help other dads with this information and all the information that's been put out in this podcast by getting it out there to more dads just like you. If you haven't checked out our Facebook group, Go down in the show notes. There's a link in every one of our show notes for the Facebook group. We've got conversations over there. We've got a place where you can bring something heavy on your heart and we as a group can help share the load and bring wisdom from the other men that are in there as a collective. And remember, we were never meant to do life alone. For millennia, we did life as a tribe and we need to be able to bring that perspective back into our life and share the load with what life is giving us. Guys, I hope you have an amazing week. Hope that your last week of August is just as good as mine will hopefully be. And I will talk to you guys again on Friday.